Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Line to Game podcast. You're here with your hosts, Jeremy Dixon and Mike Parker. Mike, uh, I'm excited, man. This is uh, going to be a good time, I think, for everyone. You know, I, I know this is going to be a real analytical dive into the history of the NFL, and we're going to, this first season, we're calling Dynasty by Decade, and we're going to really uh, try to decide who the, the team of each uh each decade has been so far and yeah that's that's the plan the plan is to decide uh based on the the calculations that we've come up with uh who is the best team of each of the uh, decades from 1950 to uh the 2010s absolutely and we're gonna see if we can uh find anybody to knock off these patriots i feel like from the last 20 years it's gonna be it's gonna be hard yeah but we'll do our best no doubt, no doubt. So yeah, um, Mike, do you want to tell the the tale um, of how many tons of uh, concrete it was that got this whole podcast uh, spark ignited? Yeah, it's like uh, one of those uh, go to commercials. What do three tons of concrete and a podcast have in common? <laughs> so in this case, um, I moved next door to Jeremy um, a few months ago, and the previous owners had left me like these gigantic useless ponds they had cracks in them they weren't i mean weren't holding water i mean basically it was just needed to go so i had to the only way to get rid of it was to jackhammer it out um, it was about you know five days worth of work 20 hours and it yielded about three tons of concrete Whew. so a lot of work it looks be- much better now so yeah, that's good um but as a thank you to listening my incessant jackhammering. Um, I came over here to Jeremy's house and uh, gave him a bottle of bourbon. And um, that sparked up this conversation that we had about um, kind of just who we were. And he invited us to, uh, me and my wife, to a um, preseason Seahawks game. So Right. Yeah. And then we drank, we drank a good portion of that bottle of bourbon and <laughs> got started, to rapping. <laughs> yeah. Started talking about uh, podcasting and, and how I was, I've been doing a podcast for a little while. And um, you, you were like, I've been working on this idea about, you know, about the NFL and the history of the NFL. And I was thinking you were going to, you know, send me, you're like, I'll email it to you next week. And, and I was thinking you were going to send an email with like, you know, maybe a couple paragraphs about what we should do or something like that. And it was a full on Excel spreadsheet with like five or six tabs of, of information and data that you had collected. And I was blown away, man. So do you want to kind of describe like where the idea from for this whole thing? thing came from yeah um so during that conversation on that uh preseason game we we found uh a lot in common in sports and especially the nfl so we started kind of hashing this out and uh, got my wheels turning as to kind of how i wanted to i really wanted to make this podcast thing happen so um i went ahead and thought of ways that i could contribute and things that we could possibly talk about um and then i had this idea a couple years ago it was kind of a thought exercise to see who is the best dynasty just in my mind what i know about football and who won the super bowl and kind of like play it out Um, but as i was doing that um, i started to think about there's got to be these other teams that aren't really getting the press um, in those decades that had to been really good now i know which teams were roughly good in the, in the 90s and the 2000s and the um, 2010. That was, I mean, I was old enough to kind of really 
uh, grow to love football at that point, and I have a lot of memories for those periods of time. But I thought about like the 50s and the 60s and 70s, 80s even, it really had to be kind of the same thing. So I wanted to really find a way that I could take all the teams um, that make the playoffs, for example, and kind of score them based on how far they made it into the playoffs and, you know, really to determine who was the best, in fact, of the decade. Right, right. That, and, you know, you came up with like the rules that you had set out. We'll get to those in just a second. But, you know, you went all you went to pre, you know, kind of pre NFL history too in there which I love because I'm you know I love sports I love history so like the cross-section of those seemed like it landed right on this on this uh excel spreadsheet that you sent me and I was I was blown away so I I love kind of yeah like hearing about you know the different teams that um like were in the NFL and then were out and like they just disappeared for a couple years and came back and this this team moved here and and then they moved over to this other city. And so it's just, it's really cool to, and that's kind of what we're going to tackle first. And then we're going to go decade by decade through these results basically. And, and kind of, you know, argue, cause there, there are some interesting, there's some interesting results for sure with, especially from a few decades that you don't like the nineties for, I mean, I don't want to give anything away, but the nineties, for example, that the team that you wouldn't think would be the, the winner or, you know, I guess they, they, had most they didn't points. qualify the team with the most points though. Definitely. is going to be a little surprising, but um, yeah. Why don't you give the, the kind of the, the, the rules for the, sure. How so this thing works. let's back up a little bit. Um, one of the things that I realized as I'm researching all of this, uh, this data, so the scoring system is pretty straightforward. You get a point for making the playoffs two for uh, losing the championship game, three for winning, four for winning, uh, losing the Super Bowl, and five for winning the Super Bowl, or championship in this right. case. So a team could max out at about nine points uh, a year. And then I would total up all those points over the course of a 10-year a period and, and just kind of see who had the most points. So that's kind of how I did it. Um, from that point, I started to get all of these different learn all these different observations, things that happened. And I had to even back into the 40s and back into the 20s a little bit to really get full context of what we really had in 1950. 1950 was a major, major um, starting point for the NFL. There was a lot of other professional leagues uh, in the United States at the time. And leading up to that 1950 season, they all pretty much just either went defunct or consolidated into uh, the NFL in the 1950s. So I thought that was so, so interesting. So when I looked at these, I had to start developing rules. So the first rule was you had to make the playoffs in a given year to, to be scored. Um, and the second rule is you had to win at least one championship or Super Bowl to be considered the, the dynasty of the decade. So those are the two key rules. Um, and then we apply those point systems and, you know, the results are may surprise you. That's very true. Yeah. And we, uh, I know even in the fifties, we, you know, one team was pretty clearly the champion. We're going to get to that next in the next episode, but, um, we, you know, we both have some hot takes and we, you yeah. know, we're going to, we're going to really, uh, dig into the data and I, you know, that's my, I love doing that sort of thing. So, uh, I'm excited. I'm really excited. 
for uh, for getting getting and in, digging into this and bringing all of you along with us on this this journey through the through the decades. Yeah, digging into it and really kind of having those discussions about these uh, great teams from the '50s, '60s, '70s. You know, as we go through these episodes, um, I think it's just going to be a really fun journey. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of fun journeys, um, what is your earliest football memory? Yeah, my earliest football memory was watching Doug Williams and the Redskins in the Super Bowl. Um, and that was, oh God, 1990, 1991? I believe that was the 91-92 season. Okay. Yeah, that's my, that's my like vivid, like remembering, like actually watching the game, like not just screwing around with my cousins or whatever during the Super Bowl, you know. Was, you were dug in that day. Yeah, I was really, really watching it and, and uh, kind of enthralled with that game. Um, and yeah, I mean, that was, that was a really great, I mean, it was a great Buffalo team. It was a, that, that Washington team was, was very, uh, exciting as well. So I, I think that would probably be my first memory. What about yours? So, uh, my first memory goes back a little bit, um, for something like remember back in the day, like my favorite player was Walter Payton. Um, I don't necessarily know why that is. Other than he's, I think at the time he was on like Wheaties boxes and everybody was talking about him. He had been right. in the league at that point for about five or six years, 1985. I think he was drafted in uh, 79. He was one of those bridge players. So the older uh, players like Jim Brown had retired and um, OJ Simpson had retired. Um, and he was like that guy in the middle before, you know, you picked up and got the Barry Sanders and the Emmett Smith Smiths and stuff yeah. like that. So um, I remember watching a C. I'm a Seahawks fan um, for the most part. Um, and I remember there was a game in 1984 where he played the Seahawks in the kingdom. Um, Seahawks ended up beating them. It was the year before they went on their big run. Um, but uh, he had 116 yards, threw a touchdown, and man, it was just an amazing performance. So one of the earliest memories I have of that interaction is my dad telling me uh, how amazing Jim Brown was. His favorite player is Jim Brown. Jim Brown's this, Jim Brown's that. And I mean, I'm looking at, you know, this guy just demolished people, Walter Payton. And I'm like, no, that can't be true. You know, that old Mike Tyson versus Muhammad Ali argument that, you know, fathers and sons have all the time. It's kind of what the way this went. So that was a constant theme um two two games later uh versus the saints walter went ahead and passed uh jim brown for the all-time rushing record now he would go on to play another i don't know three or four years after that i think he retired in like 1988 um but you know at the end of his career probably you know probably top three four running back uh in the league so that was kind of my earliest memory and that really led into um, that 85 bear year, that was the first year I really remember, um, a Super Bowl. That team was bigger than life. It had a lot of characters, had my favorite player on it. Um, I don't know why the Chicago bears, like why that resonated with me. I think that was really the first time I started to think about like following players and all these other exciting things that happened. And like, let's not ignore the Chicago Bears and how great they are because I'm a Seahawks fan and let's not, you know, let that slip right. away. So um, it's just very interesting, you know, 
you know, uh, that 1985 Bears team with uh, William Refrigerator Perry, um, I had the, the – I was still pretty young uh, when you – know, I was only like six years old when that team – I vaguely remember like the Super Bowl shuffle and, the, yeah. you know, things like that kind of gimmicky stuff around – that team but uh i do remember i had the gi joe of william uh the refrigerator perry gi joe and i thought that was that (laughs) was like my prized possession for a few years in my like yeah the football on the 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 mace yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) so that was uh that was definitely one of my my uh, early memories as well but you know what about seahawks memories what what are your what's your first uh so my first seahawks memory and this one sticks in my brain um, to, to this day because it was like a whole, like like a bunch of emotions while watching this game. Um, I had sat down before games and watched them before, you know, with my parents on a Sunday. and, and But this one, I don't know, it just really resonates for me. November 11th, 1990. Um, Seahawks were at Arrowhead Stadium. Dave Craig was the quarterback. Um, this particular game uh, was record-breaking and not for the Seahawks. Derek Thomas oh, I, I know, I know had sacked about. Dave Craig seven times by himself, and Dave was uh, sacked nine times in total. And it was just like a horrible day, right? Like every time he drops back, it seems like he's, he's under duress. Um, in that game, he still manages to go 16 for 23 with 306 yards and two touchdowns. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm looking at those numbers. I mean, 16 completions for 203 or 306 yards. That's insane. Yeah. Um, They really must have been pushing it down down the field. Um, And I noticed, like, I'm looking at the score. I kind of watched, I rewatched this uh, clip of it, of of the games, the highlights, and I'm just kind of watching. And it was just, it wasn't an offensive, um, they weren't, neither team were offensive juggernauts. The score, the game ended 17-16, and it did that because with zero seconds left on the clock in the fourth quarter, Seattle was on the 25-yard line of Kansas City, um, and Dave Craig backs, you know, goes back to pass. He ducks under Derek Thomas, just goes up high, old mudbone, ducks that head, goes under his arm, and then rolls out to his left and fires a shot 25 yards to the post. With a crossing, Paul Scanzi, he goes up and catches it over two uh, defenders, touchdown. We tie the game, kick the extra point, and we win. I jump out of my seat when that happens, <laughs> and uh, we had a ceiling fan going, and I jumped up so high, stuck my hand in the, in the ceiling fan. It broke the ceiling fan. The thing wobbled like for the next decade after <laughs> that. We could never get it to set right. It was such a unique experience, and I think that was the first time that I really – became a Seahawks fan regardless of how good they did I think they finished seven or nine and seven that year and it didn't matter and I that's kind of like the football I wanted to say it just doesn't matter I just love watching the games yeah yeah no and and that's the funny thing I mean I was always a Derek Thomas fan you know rest in peace for sure he uh he was a great he was such an incredible just freak athlete I mean he was like the original kind of Javon curse freak edge rusher you know but you could also drop into coverage and you're you know you're in trouble either way uh and he that you know that's always one of the big things I go he sacked Dave Craig seven times or whatever it was and the the 
you know, you never think about, oh, the Seahawks actually won the game at the end of the day, right? right. You know, like that's kind of lost. You see in the those shuffle. numbers, you're like, no way they won that game. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't so. think it would happen this these days, the way offenses are. I mean, that's just too detrimental to an offense that doesn't spend a lot of time on the field. So. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, and, you know, to, to think of my first memory of the Seahawks, I got to go. It must have been 90. My first, like, the first game I got to go to was, like, is, like, one of my best memories of being a Seahawks fan because we were playing New England. It was Drew Bledsoe's rookie year, and I was just like, I hope that – and I'm I, not a WSU Cougars fan anyway, so I was like, I hope we get to go crush the, you know, Drew Bledsoe and the Patriots, and he didn't even get to play because it was, like, pretty early in the season. So that was a bummer, but – um yeah, it was it was just like being able to actually go to the Kingdome and sit in the you know in the stands and, and like on pretty good seats. I think I got the seats for my birthday or something. Awesome. And so it was like my I was like eleven or something and got to go go down and uh, and watch the game and it was like eyes like saucers watching yeah, this, just this magic unfolding. Like just, I remember walking out of the tunnel and just seeing the because I'd only been there for baseball games up to that point. And uh, getting to go, you know, yeah, walking out of the tunnel and just kind of seeing the field. You hear about that, you know, with kids like, oh, the first time, you know, my brought my son to the ballpark or whatever, you know, and he got to walk out and see the the baseball field. You hear about it more with baseball than with football, but that that's how I was with, you know, I was like I was taking everything in. It was the craziest, you know, and like the Seahawks won like in a really because we were pretty. I think we had drafted Rick Meyer that same year, so we were. We were oh, down yeah, in the dumps. Dame, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we that really started the, the end of it. So that was like the early 90s. Yeah. 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 So, and uh, yeah, and Rick Meyer, I think he played in that game and started. And he, like, he, because he won AFC Rookie of the Year, that Offensive Rookie of the Year that year. He had like a great year and then just lost it after that, I think. It so. went down pretty hill, uh, downhill pretty fast. He did get off to a good start. He seemed like he had some promise, but it's hard to tell. Uh, we talked about this the other day, just like this level of DNA that, that separates the, the players that make it versus the players that don't. Like, why did Jeff George not make it? Like, what was wrong with his mental? Right. That um, he had a, a, a shotgun arm. I mean, he could throw, make any throw, uh, but there was a piece missing to, yeah. his, to his, his game. And, you know, you never know what that is. And I think, you know, NFL uh, franchises stumble over themselves to try and find that, you know, and they hire really smart people to figure it out. But it's it's not a perfect science. Exactly, exactly. It was speaking of uh, quarterbacks that might not have all of their, uh, the, don't have the DNA of winning. Um, I know you're a Cleveland Browns fan mm. also. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, I love sending you text messages when uh, <laughs> Baker Mayfield screws something up on Sundays. But yeah, how did that come about? You know, uh, being a kid that grew up in in Western Washington, like how did you? So, uh, and I know you kind of grew up all over, but yeah, right. like where, how how did you latch onto the Browns? So let's be clear, I'm a, I'm a Browns fan. I'm not necessarily Baker Mayfield fan, yeah. um, <laughs> but I'm realistic about what our chances are. So I try to keep a very level head about all of those things. But to answer your question. Um, I was actually born in Cleveland, so a lot of my DNA comes from that area. Um, my dad grew up at, also born in Cleveland. He grew up a, a Cleveland Browns fan, hence, you know, Jim Brown being his favorite player. 
uh, and he'll he'll go to his deathbed with him being the greatest player of all time. Um, and frankly, he's got a good argument. Yeah, um, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> you know, frankly, I can't really argue with it. So you do the numbers; it's there. He played twelve games, um, five point two yards a carry. It's it was amazing, and left early. So that being said, I, I kind of had uh, an affection for Cleveland. Um, they were good in the eighties. They had some chances. They went to back-to-back um, AFC Championship games, losing to uh, John Elway and a couple of the most epic. Was that with Bernie Kosar or Vinny Testaverde? It was Bernie. So it was the drive and the fumble. Okay. So back-to-back years. So Elway drives them down. I mean, I think they, they kicked off, landed on the seven, and then uh, on, the, on Broncos seven, and Elway marched them down and scored a touchdown. And then the following year, they were even a better team, the Browns, and put themselves in a position to win the game. And I believe it was Ernest Biner went up to uh, score, and basically somebody hit him right on the ball, and it popped out, and that was that. And I remember that. Two seasons back-to-back where they kind of just couldn't do what they needed to do to finish it out. And then from that point, I mean, they lost the team in 99, I believe, a couple years after that. Right. Yeah, that was hard. I mean, as a as a Seattle sports fan, man, maybe. I'm always so uh, you know sorry for teams their cities that lose their teams, and then uh, thank God they finally got them back, and they're they're starting to do well again. So that's it's nice to see. I think it's good for the game of football to have a, a team in Cleveland doing doing well. Well, for many years, like living in Seattle, where I have most of my life, um, you have to kind of watch what games are on. And if they're, they really don't, the NFL doesn't allow you to kind of watch a whole bunch of teams against your local team. So I did watch way more Seahawks games. I came, became way more enthralled in Seahawks and their history and, and their, you know, their schedule and, and their wins and losses. Um, but, you know, with, with the Cleveland Browns kind of becoming much better, you see them a lot more. They are that morning game that, you know, CBS plays. They are on Monday night football and th- Sunday night football. They're on Thursday night football this week. So, um, right. yeah, I just get a lot more opportunity to, to watch them. And, you know, it's just fun. Yeah, well, you got Case Keenum now, so we're, you're all good. That's the word. <laughs> I heard that today. Oh man, um, you know we—I know we've talked um, just in you know the few months that we've known each other about, um, I guess, our, you know, die, you know, being like living and dying by the, like the Seahawks winning or losing or or the Browns in your case too, as well, um, and how you know I know I kind of my my thoughts on, I like watching everything now, right. And I know you're kind of that way too. You, you know, a good game is a good game. I don't have to watch. Like, even if the Seahawks lose now, it really it started when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl in 2013. Nothing changed in my life after that game. So I was right. like, I was just like thinking, I don't even know what. You're so wrapped up in this. I wear the same shirt and not you know, not wash it until they lost a game and <laughs> all you know, those superstitions. And that things. 2013 season, I went a few weeks with uh, smelling pretty ripe because I didn't wash my the you know, whatever my jersey or whatever I would wear uh, until they lost. And so um, yeah, I didn't even wear any Seahawks gear because apparently. Every time I wear it, they lose. So <laughs> I got that kind of embedded in me early on and just decided it's not worth it. Don't even do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm that way now. Even if it's not real. It. If it's not right. real, I don't care. It's not It's not worth, you know, the loss. 
just because yeah. I want to wear a Seahawks hat. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, you, when you start blaming yourself for losses, man, it can, it's a slippery slope for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and we talked a little bit about how, I've, at least for me, with fantasy football, um, playing fantasy football over the, the years, I don't, and I don't think you even – I don't know if you play or not. Um, I, I don't currently, but I did play for a good decade. Yeah, and I just have like the same league I've been in with my brothers and my friends for you know ten years. So uh, we play every year, and and that got me to start like branching out. Like, oh, I want to watch the Baltimore Ravens game or the Miami Dolphins or you know whoever Houston Texans or something like a game, maybe a Thursday night game I would never watch otherwise but i have somebody playing in the game so i'm like oh well, that's cool and then you see something you every nfl game you watch you see something you're like lamar jackson playing the miami impressive. dolphins i have to watch this game yeah right exactly. I'm, I'm 15 points behind he's yeah my exactly, last, he's exactly. My last player <laughs> so yeah and i was thinking about it though and i you know when i was a kid i loved like bo jackson and christian okoye and steve atwater and these guys that were just like amazing you know, freak athletes, Ronnie Lott. Like it was just, even though I hated the 49ers or I hated the Raiders, it was still like, you couldn't really denounce that level of just like pure athleticism and, and just these freak athletes that were on your TV screen every Sunday. So I think I used to, you know, I, I, I guess I've always kind of been more into like the whole, but like the Seahawks were, and the Seahawks were so bad back then. It was, it was easy easy to to jump a little bit and watch other teams and, yeah, so like getting to watch, you know, Bo Jackson and, and you know, because they played those games on national TV constantly. So, and, and I remember like in the 90s, you could, there was a lot of times you didn't even get to see the Seahawks because they were, if they didn't sell out, you didn't get to watch the game on local TV. So That's right, yeah. Jeez. That was a, what a crazy rule That's a that time was. Warp. Yeah. Yeah. We need to dig into that. It still one might be a rule. We just sell out. Yeah, I think they did. I'm pretty sure they did away with it now, but I don't know. We'll have to dig into that on one of these episodes, too. Maybe we'll find out. Yeah, we will. I think we will. We'll find out together. So, yeah, um, I'm I'm excited, Mike. I am really am, man, and I'm, I'm glad everybody's uh, kind of joining us on this journey. And do you uh, last uh, thoughts here on this, this inaugural episode of the Line to Gain podcast? Yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of research, you know, kind of leading up to this first episode and into our next episode, um, discuss the kind of the winners of the 1950s. And it's just really interesting. Like you said earlier, it's more like history in a lot of ways than it is just a sport. Like football in itself as a game and things like that don't really affect your life. But I mean, if you start to put together the history, it it does... play a role in kind of your experience and your your life in a lot of ways like the history of world war ii does or the history of the depression or industrialized you know america and there's there's a lot of history that goes into those things and i don't really differentiate kind of this type of history uh, any differently really and uh once you kind of approach it from that angle it it, it really becomes super interesting I agree, man. I agree. And I'm, I can't wait to dive into all like the team movements and things like that that we're going to get into. You know, quick note, when I was, I must have been 15 years old and we went on a family vacation to Disneyland and we stayed at this hotel probably three blocks away from Disneyland. It was like, I mean, it was a decent hotel. It was pretty nice. And it was the same spring that Ken Baring tried to move the Seahawks to Anaheim. 
Right. And they did their mini camp in Anaheim. And so the entire Seahawks team was staying in our hotel. And we, me and my two brothers would go out and play basketball after we went, you know, went to Disneyland all day. And then we would come back and play basketball. And, um, these like the players would come out and play with us and we so we were playing like three on three with a bunch of nfl guys when we we're you know 15 14 13 years old oh my and, god I've never heard uh, it was story. like the i mean that was like the highlight of our trip right and there's yeah. like there's girls our age at, by the pool and i remember one of the players being like if i was you guys man i'd be over there trying to like talk to these girls or you know hang out do whatever and we're like no man like there's Trust plenty me, of time playing, for that. Playing basketball with uh, NFL <laughs> players is way cooler than uh, you know hanging out with NFL players is way cooler than uh, hanging out with girls right now. So yeah, it was uh, it was it was crazy though to see you know just to like it was yeah it was crazy like when we figured out that it was like we're like what are all these big ass dudes doing in our hotel and then they see a bunch of guys with Seahawks jerseys on or you know sweatshirts or whatever and we're like uh, wait a minute. Yeah, is that Kenny uh, Easley? Yeah, right. It was a little <laughs> after that, but yeah, he it was. Uh, I think Kevin Mawai was on the team at the time. That, that's how I realized yeah. that that, uh, that it was a bunch of Seahawks players, and I think it was most of like the rookies and, um, you know, like the the young guys that were at the the mini camp. So it was, I think it was one of the ones like right after the draft or something. So, but yeah, that was a that was like one of my the highlights of my early early uh, fandom for sure. But yeah, man. So anyway, we'll let's uh, do this, man. Yeah, I'm excited. We're gonna we're gonna be back next week with a new episode on the 1950s, and we're just gonna go decade by decade until, and then probably a culmination with uh, who we think is the team of the greatest team of all time. All time. Wow. Yeah. Which will be fun. Quite bold. Absolutely. Well. If you could like, share, rate, review, and, and listen to the podcast, you obviously are listening, so we appreciate that. But yeah, let, let people know uh, about the podcast. We're, uh, we're here, Line to Gain, and uh, you can send us an email at linetogainshow at gmail.com. Send us any uh, c- uh, comments, criticism, critiques, whatever you want to say, and uh, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get back to you ASAP. Let's go, Jeremy. Let's do All this. All right. Till next time, guys. Peace.